Today's program is brought to you by Corin, supplier of Japanese chef knives and restaurant supplies. For more information, visit Corin.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member supported food radio network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. Join our hosts as they lead you through the world of craft brewing, behind the scenes of the restaurant industry, inside the battle over school food, and beyond. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org. Hello, welcome to Japan Eats. I'm your host, Akiko Katayama, a food writer and the director of the New York Japanese Culinary Academy, which promotes a deeper understanding of Japanese cuisine in America. We are broadcasting live from a studio at Roberta's in Bushwick, Brooklyn. This show is all about Japanese food and food culture. We see sushi at every daily and supermarket, but what is beyond sushi? We hear dashi, ramen, izakaya, but what exactly are they? Japanese food is still a mystery for many people, and I try to demystify it in this program with my cool guests. And my guest today is Masahiro Urushido, who is a mixologist and the bar manager at Saksana Paro, which is a great new American restaurant in East Village. And it has a huge bar space filled with lots of great energy. And Japanese cocktail culture is known for being unique and different from American cocktail culture. And Masa has worked in both countries as bartender. So today, we'll discuss what is unique about Japanese cocktail culture, how Masa expresses in his cocktails in New York, and he won 2014 Shiba Swigal Global Master, which made him one of the best bartenders of the world, and much, much more. Hello, Masa. Welcome to Japanese. Hello. <laughs> so,、um, Thank you for having me, Akiko-san. <laughs> looking forward to it. So,、um, first of all,、uh, when and why did you come to the States? I moved to New York、uh, in 2008 to go to school, to attend a college.、Um, original intention was to study both English and hospitality management.、Mm, so you are in the right path already. Okay. And、uh, so, how did you get into the world of cocktails?、Uh, I worked、um, when I was 19.、Mm. Um, I got my first job in. Restaurant and the bar、mm-hmm. in Tokyo.、Um, the restaurant was run by famous restaurateur、uh, Hiro Shinkawa.、Mm-hmm. And then it was very fine dining.、Mm. We just、and、really suddenly decided to work in a restaurant yeah, the, and fine the, dining. <laughs> I, I was lucky that I got the job at the first place because bef- before I had you know, like no ex- you know, experience in the restaurant and、mm. even. Something like that, you know, high end restaurant. Simply, I was just delivering pizza and then,、mm. <laughs> you know, working in a few karaoke bars before, but, you know,、mm. it was quite stretch and, you know, I learned everything from them. Right. So, but it was the intention to be in a, like upper scale place to. I, I think I wanted something different than, you know,、um, What I had at the、mm. time, and then I, wanted, I was looking for a new job, new place to work, make my living, and it just, I, I think it was just lucky and then by、mm. chance. So, which、uh, restaurant did you work?、Uh, the first place I worked, a、uh, place called Tablos in Daikayama,、mm. the Shibuya area. I think that's very classic. Yeah, it's beautiful, gorgeous、um, decor and food. 
uh, lots of wines. Mm. Um, I learned lots of wines there. And also that restaurant has um, kind of attached to it was a cigar bar next next oh. next door, which is called Tablo's Lounge. So where uh, they play, you know, they invite those um, singers and uh, uh, bassists from all, o- all over the world, that, like, you know, like from New York or whatever, um, and then play uh, live jazz there mm. and then smoke cigar and then... Right. So it's just beyond the restaurant. It's more like a concept or lifestyle right. kind of place. Right. And there is a bar. Yes. And right. then eventually Shinkawa-san left um, the restaurant and then opened up his own place. So mm. I followed him. Uh, oh, so okay. that's where a uh, place called Dazzle in Ginza. Mm. And I worked there until I moved to New York. Right. So what kind of a place does, uh, was the Dazzle restaurant? It's great. The contemporary, uh, I would say contemporary um, cuisine. Mm. So, you know, all these ingredients, the freshest ingredients come from neighbors and like a local neighboring uh, prefectures mm. uh, of Tokyo. And take that and then using these classic Italian-French techniques to mm. make it delicious and beautiful. Right. And, and uh, yeah. well, Japanese, French and Italian known for being so classic, even more than people say, more than the, the oh, back delicious. in the real country. So, right. And uh, so the style of the cocktails you made in Japan, that's the more sort of uh, authentic kind of styles? Yes, very classic drinks. That So I started working that restaurant as a food runner. So running food, uh, learning about the food, and everything is from zero to, you know, to that high expectation, and yeah, I learned the from 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 everything is from scratch. That I had a great sensei there, mm. um, sensei that in Japanese were that um, like teacher. Mm. Um, I, I think it's that. beyond. I think sensei, when I sensei, uh, teacher plus lots of respect. Right, right. Like, yeah, exactly. Like a mentor. Mm. So they were so patient that, you know, at the first place, like, you know, teaching me that all these uh, techniques, the stirring and shaking. And mm. uh, so, you know, learned a lot of um, the recipes for the classic cocktails that, mm. you know, people drunk there. Right. Um, so I'm curious, you know, the Japanese cocktails tend to be, you know, we talk about more later, but it's more technical based, right? Very precise kind of measurement and styles. Right. I think, yeah, I think Japanese people are something really good at, like <laughs> being precise and, you know, being on time. <laughs> right. So pretty meticulous, obsessive <laughs> people. Right. Um, okay. Um, so, um, what do you think you learned at each place? So again, that the classic techniques and you know expanding the knowledge of the recipes, that the classic recipes and no, that time, like you know, like it late like nineties and early two thousand. To me, well, of course, the internet was there, but like it wasn't enough like resource mm, to learn. You cannot just open an iPhone and look right, up right, the recipes. Deeper knowledge of history of the drinks per se, but um, you know the what the sidecar is and how to make Manhattans. Mm. And I think one of the greatest thing I learned was uh, ice carving. Mm. Um, so there's, um, again, my sensei, Antonio-san. He, he's still there. The, over, he's been there like over 15 years. Mm-hmm. Um, show me how to uh, carve ice balls and how to At make it. At the tableau? Uh, 
Yeah, actually, tableaus. Uh, my sensei was Yasan. Mm-hmm. Uh, he told me how to start, how to make you know okay. drinks and also ice balls as well. And then sometime you know after closing at the restaurant, and then you know because the cigar bar was open till late, so mm-hmm. I needed extra cash. So okay. I few nights I worked there. Mm-hmm. Then Antonio Yasan was my sensei. Interesting. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like. Um, you know, we want to talk, talk about the difference between Japanese and American cocktail culture, but it sounds like, really, you have a sensei at really established places. Yeah, I'm lucky. Yeah, I have a great sensei everywhere. Because <laughs> <laughs> you're a good student. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so, okay. And uh, so, um, eventually, so, like you said, you came to the States after you worked at a certain time at the two restaurants. And um, so where did you work? In the U.S.? In the U.S., I worked, first place was um, in the West Village uh, called Kingswood. Mm-hmm. So owned by Australian people, lovely people. Right. And I also worked at uh, Ruby's Cafe mm-hmm. um, in Nolita. So I made lots of coffee over <laughs> there. And then, um, and then after that, uh, I joined the Saxon Pro. Mm. How come? I met uh, I met Naren Young through my friend Paulie, Paul Frannich. He was a brand ambassador for 40 Spill of Vodka from mm. New Zealand. So it's it just amazing that how I ended up getting to know all these uh, really important people to my in my life. Mm. So I knew Tom, uh, who was brand ambassador in uh, for that same brand in Tokyo. Mm. So I told him that, hey, I'm moving to New York. And then he goes like, all right, so I, I'll put you guys in touch. Mm-hmm. So I landed it, going to start going to school. And then, um, you know, I, the, Tom put us in touch. And then the poly goes like, hey, let's catch up. Let's go have coffee. And then I, um, and then I met Polly. And basically he looked after, looked after me mm-hmm. like his little brother. And then... He eventually introduced me to... Actually, he introduced me to Kenta-san, uh, Kenta Goto, the mm. owner of the Bar Goto. Right. So Kenta-san, I met Kenta-san first, and then he uh, he was, as you know, like very generous, uh, amazing guy. Right. Uh, took me to a few bars. And yeah, so I, by the way, so the, for listeners who, hasn't, who doesn't know about Kenta, Kenta came to a show, I forgot the number of the episodes, but uh, so basically he was uh, the head partner at... Uh, the uh, Pegu. Pegu Club, which is one of the best bars in the whole country or in the whole, the whole world. Right. So. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, yeah. The long story short, <laughs> I met um, I met Naren through um, Paul, mm-hmm. and then. So Naren was the w- working at uh, Saxon. No, actually, the first time I met Naren, he worked at the Bobo. Okay. Bobo in the West Village, which is a few uh, streets down from the Kingswood mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. I worked, and then. You know, years later, actually, um, I opened the Saxon Pro in 2011. Mm. And a few months later, uh, I met him at some sort of events, and uh, he invited me to, hey, come over, uh, buy you a drink. And then mm. I stopped by, and then, right. yeah. Yeah, it's, um, I feel kind of jealous because it sounds like all those cocktail people really connected in the whole, like, globally. Very, very small world. Right. That's very nice. And uh, so among those people, um, who's your sensei, uh, your mentor? Uh, again, many. Uh, Shinkawa-san, uh, Hiroshinkawa from mm-hmm. Japan. The, 
it's not exaggeration, but like people call him, uh, people you know call him uh, like um, God of Service. Oh wow! Um, he's quite big mm-hmm. and big-hearted, uh, amazing person. So, um, and then moved to New York. And I mean, of course, like not only Shinkar-san, just there's, there's so many other people. Asai-san, John-san, Shoko-san. I was very lucky to be there and then at that, that very particular time that they, mm. those amazing uh, people worked there. Right. And then um, they taught me so many things working in the restaurant and hospitality. And of course, moved to New York, uh, Naren Young and Linden Pride. So mm-hmm. they um, basically, they're the find, founder of... Um, Saxon Pro Beverage mm. Program, right. and there, there will be my uh, sensei for a long time. And mm. I mean, me- mentor that like who you know sort of like inspires you. Mm. So like you know that that's in a sense that Nacho, my best friend Nacho's there uh, working. You know, mm-hmm. in working works. closely, uh, and then you know someone like him that making. Uh, drink every single drink with heart. You know his heart and you mm. know that that's and then. He's just his personality that something mm. makes everyone happy, you right. know. And then, so someone like him, and of course, um, right. So Nacho basically he uh, works at uh, the Daily, which is your sister um, restaurant bar. That's right. Yeah, mm. the, he's got the new place that we can talk about that later. Mm. Uh, yeah, and then it just every everyone that um, I'm lucky to have these friends and very close mm. uh, Patrick. Uh, Del Punta, he's um, owner, co-owner of a restaurant called Sweetwater, mm. which is in the Williamsburg. Right. Um, so it sounds like you, you have know. almost like a family tree of all those friends, and right. So um, you know, all those uh, really good uh, people to learn out of whatever they told you about, or you just learn how they do. So, how do you describe uh, the difference between Japanese and American cocktail culture? That's the uh, that's a hard question. Right? But, <laughs> That's why I'm um, asking you. you. You know, you know the best. I think uh, no, that I, I, I can't say that I've I have a lot of experience because I worked in a restaurant in. Well, I had a very intense, um, you know, time working in restaurant in the bar. Mm. Um, I think it, I think I think it's the the cocktail culture that the, again the word culture that involves people right the cocktail culture I think I think cocktail culture is you know basically you know in the bar or the restaurant and having a great time with good people mm. and then drinking delicious things that that's the cocktail culture if that's the, the definition of the culture right and um you know the. I don't, I don't know. The, mm. It's hard hard to describe. Right. The, so, for instance, you know, I, whenever I go to um, bars in Japan, I feel I have to behave right. But cocktails are precise, and you know exactly what to expect. Right. Um, yeah. For the, the, I think it. For example, as a, if you focus on the drink, the cocktail culture. If you focus on the drink, if you have exact same ingredients. And then you know the technique. Mm. If you have a recipe, and you can make, you know, pretty much exactly the same taste of the cocktail. Like doesn't matter where you're in Japan, New York, uh, Moscow, doesn't mm. matter. But I think what makes so different, like taste so different, is about I think um, atmosphere, 
mm-hmm. and how these um, staff of the bar and the restaurant makes you feel. So that's a great factor. Mm-hmm. And then through my experience, I worked in Japan. Uh, you, you know, like I learned so much about, you know, because uh, mm. <laughs> not only making drinks, but again, the hospitality right. uh, point of view that, you know, and then moved to New York that um, I learned the different part, mm. like kind of. Right. So, you know, like uh, say if I was a fresh bartender and go start working at a Japanese bar versus here, what's the difference? Like, you know, on daily basis. It's it's just that New York is a very special place. Um, you know, everyone's from everywhere. Mm-hmm. You know, so and it's just amazing that like this New York City sounds like so big, and you know, everyone thinks is like oh, it's huge, but like it's such a small town, and mm. you know, filled with the good people, and everyone's from everywhere, which means you know, each oh, they bring each own culture to mm. this place, and then just inspiration is, I think. Tokyo has so many great restaurants and bars and mm. you know cocktail bars and so as in New York but the different experience is what surrounds you and who surrounds right. you so mm-hmm. um, Tokyo is of course an international city but mm. but mostly Japanese people right. so is it wrong to say um, not accurate to say that you know Japanese um, bars tend to follow classic recipes versus here, you know, the creative things encouraged. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry that I can't answer the exact question that, mm. you know, you were like people looking for. But um, yeah, it, it is a different experience in mm. New York, um, you know, very exciting. And, right. you know, yeah. Um, like, for instance, uh, Gen Yamamoto, who used to work here and went back to Japan, he, he opened the bar, which is one of the most popular and well-recognized bars in whole country now. So, and obviously he started using fresh, you know, fruit juice and stuff, and it's an American influence. I'm, I'm sure it's the things that are changing in Japan, too. But, you know, like one of the things people really talk about, like you mentioned already, it's the hand-carved ice. Right. So why do, um, did you learn, like, really, we have to practice over and over to make a um, hand-carved, uh, hand-carved ice in Japan? Right. Uh, it, it's, not, it's not a hard thing to do. Really? To me. About if I can do it, anyone can do it. Mm. So, um, you know, like, it just, just takes time. And then, you know, the make you know, ice ball, mm. tens and hundreds of ice ball every day and then for long right. time we get to so make them really nice. How? what's the good good ice to carve? Um, at Saxon we're getting ice from uh, Richie Bocado's 100 weight. Mm-hmm. Uh, he makes amazing, beautiful ice. And what we do is just like, you know, of course we have a storage area that the freezer specifically uh, keep the, mm-hmm. you know, the delivery of uh, lots of right. ice slabs. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but ice, we're talking about, blocks. you know, you, when you <coughs> carve, you're taught to carve ice. Oh, right? oh. So what's um, what's the purpose in a way? What's the what's the point of carving? So ice again, hand? the ice ball, the story of ice ball comes in like lesser surface area, mm. uh, and then lesser dilution. Right. And again, temperature of the ice is as well that it's not like, and then density of the water, density of the frozen water, mm. so that which makes it makes whatever the fluids you put in water or whiskey or. Uh, melts slower which means you can enjoy the mm. I mean not not saying that dilution is bad for the drink but mm. um, 
yeah, keep it nice and cool right. uh, and less dilution right. sometimes. And it's a density it. also. Uh, in the first place, ice has to be really densely um, frozen, and then it kind of more crystal, right? Because there's not air bubbles inside. Right, right, exactly. Right. So transparent. Um, mm, yeah. Like crystal. Yeah. Right. Make it taste better. Mm. Maybe. I'm curious, that how, how do you, you know, when you make a cocktail on the rock or something, whatever, you know, the style is, you have to really calculate the time ice melts, right? Exactly. How do you do that? Uh, experience, I guess. You know, <laughs> uh, but the, mostly attention. Mm. Just, you know, keep in your mind that, uh, you know, Whatever you put in, it's mm. going to start melting. So you have to make it faster. Okay. Yeah. So, wow, it's very, uh, you have to be very kind of strategic. Right. right? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so uh, the Saxon Pearl uh, was named the Best American Cocktail Bar Spirited Award at Tales of the Cocktail, which is the world's biggest annual cocktail event. And that's last year, 2016. So congratulations. Thank you very much. And uh, the cocktail minute Saxon Pearl is very unique and fun. So what is your philosophy in developing cocktail menu? So <clears throat> the philosophy of uh, cocktail where we serve at Saxon Pearl, which is Naren Young and Lyndon Price philosophy, and mm. something I learned uh, very closely from them. Mm. So our drink is always classic cocktail influenced inspired cocktail sorry the classic cocktail inspired drinks but with loaded with lots of local seasonal ingredients um, and innovative ideas and uh, authenticity mm. so seasonality like we start talking about like lots of seasonality but like these days I kind of like to use locality because you know the season when you travel around Every different parts of the world has different climate, mm. different seasons. So, I think it's it's cool that like engaging to local things. This is super cool, especially you know when you, when you travel that like, came from. If, if you go to somewhere, you want mm. to taste something local, mm. which is more because you can't taste it in New York. Right. So, yeah, in a sense, but uh, yeah. So, mm. so is there any room for you to? kind of incorporate Japanese cocktail culture mindset on your menu? Mindset, yes. I think so. Mm. Um, it's not only about ingredients, but um, more mindset, like, um, for example, like respect, uh, respect your tools, respect mm. your tools, respect your ingredients. Uh, speaking of how we can maximize these ingredients instead of, you know, squeeze something in and throw it away. But, uh, okay, what we can maximize is, mm. you know, a piece of, uh, you know, the crap. Uh, mm, like lemon peels. Yeah, lemon too. peels to little tip of something and vegetables and um, anyhow, but at the, the respect your tools, respect your... Mm. What do you mean by uh, respect your tools? Like go clean often? That yeah, that we... Each bartender at Saxon, they bring their own tools mm, to like work. Like a chef's knife. Like chef's knives, exactly. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, respect your tools and which, you know, eventually that's going to uh, reflect to your drinks, delicious drinks as well. Mm, okay. So uh, one of the most interesting menu items, I think, to me, is a, a Japanese highball, which is made with Yamazaki 12-year um, Perrier and lemon oil. 
and Yamazaki, which is the most iconic Japanese whiskey in the U.S., and it's really hard to get right now. Um, so what's the idea behind this cocktail? So Japanese highball. Um, Japanese highball, like today, like people love highballs and making lots of these uh, lesser uh, ABV cocktails and refreshing drinks, aperitifs. Mm-hmm. Um, Japanese highball, essentially, it is uh, whiskey and soda. Mm. That was a keyword, like a really right. buzzword, and like, I don't know, like three, four, five years? Right. But uh, what's so different, just um, where we make it, mm. the, the way we make it. So we get the glass, highball glass, and we're going to hand carve, hand chisel these uh, you know, ice from a uh, big ice block mm. that fits perfectly into the glass. Right. And we stir that uh, to you know, bring the temperature of the glass down. Mm. Then we add, uh, and then we drain it because you know w- extra water is gonna stay in the glass. So mm-hmm. we're gonna drain that, and then we're gonna top it off with sufficient amount of uh, ice again because you know the ice is gonna melt in the water. That like you know top of the the level of the ice goes down. So mm-hmm. that we're gonna fill that, that. We're trying to pack the glass with ice as much as we can. So mm-hmm. again, another um, freshly you know chiseled or carved uh, ice goes in. Then we pour the whiskey in, mm. stir down a little bit because the whiskey to bring down the temperature of the whiskey. Mm-hmm. Then we carefully add a soda water to it. Then make sure that the soda is not like pour over the ice because that's gonna kill the bubbles. Right. So like the, to the gently to the gap on the on the side, uh, pour that soda. I um, mean Perrier in, which mm. has beautiful uh, tiny right. fine bubbles. And then after that, you gently put uh, your bar spoon in kind of lift up the you know ice from the bottom to mm. gently stir garnish with the lemon oil that the freshly peeled lemon uh, skin mm. and now it becomes no longer just only the whiskey and soda this is the uh, Japanese highball mm. interesting because it's such a high quality whiskey and then adding some uh, sparkling texture right that must be really interesting yeah the, sorry just uh, I can't lie so uh we started using Yamazaki 12 and then over the time got so expensive <laughs> because everyone loves it. Uh, now we use the Toki, uh, also from Santori, mm. um, the Japanese whiskey, the younger blend. Right. Uh, makes a really nice uh, Japanese highball. Mm, right. Yeah, it's just released like last year, right? Delicious. Mm, I haven't tasted it, so maybe I'll come and see you soon. Um, okay, and uh, well, by the way, we have an interesting program at Saxon Parole called Cocktail Cabinet Program. Um, so what is it and how did you come up with this idea? So cocktail cabinet program at Saxon Pro. So this is not my idea. Um, I know how that works. But uh, again, this is Nara and Linden. So when they traveled to Japan, what they saw was, you know, you walk into your neighborhood bar or, you know, uh, izakaya or even izakaya. Or, um, so what you see behind the counter mm. is the bottle of shochu and whiskeys and with the name tags on <laughs> or sometimes you know like the name written on the bottle or like sometimes the place fancy that has a metal right. uh, there's like neck tag that dangling from the you know the bottle right. that say you know Akiko-san for example mm. um, so and it's amazing um, you know the loyalty program to you know that right. the one guest keep coming back for that bottle and then you know to the restaurant right. so that and they, t- you know, now taken that the, you know, took the idea to, you know, what we can do that that space and which something 
um, specialized, which was a cocktail. So, oh, let's do the monthly changing cocktails. Right. In the yeah. We call it, in Japan, they, we call it bottle keep. Bottle keep. So it's like. Uh, Yeah, I've seen. Uh, I've been traveling and in Japan, and then I see. Oh wow, there you can see they're really regulars. That means uh, it's a good place to be. Yeah, to mm-hmm. us, it's, it's very special program because the, again, that it's not about just only keeping the bottle and then you know, but it's about you know, bartender knows how he likes to drink. You know mm. the. Um, Oh, the Akiko-san likes on the rocks and Akiko-san's friend comes in hey introduce this is Masa oh I like actually uh, can you make it uh, on the rocks mm. uh, I mean highball so next time I go in they recognize me and then you know they without asking me that they make highball just mm. straight up and then here you go right. in front of me there's a highball so again the, at Saxon Pro the cocktail cabinets is great that these industry uh, or just, just in general like neighborhood people keep coming back and you know bartender you know we know their name first name basis and mm. you know it's cool to kind of share that uh, great right. you know that um, hospitality mm. with them so. so bottle keep in Japan tend to be can be anything shochu or whiskey right but in your case you have cocktail cocktail of the month yeah every month uh, right. every month different cocktails I've never heard of it it's amazing so okay uh, so anybody can ask for it as far as we pay in advance that's yes. the program okay yeah all right So it's a Saxon Pearl cocktail cabinet program. All right. So uh, let's take a quick break here. And when we come back, we'll talk about how Masa won the glo- uh, global Chevis Master in 2014 that, and uh, how he became one of the best bartenders of the world. So please stay with us. Today's program is brought to you by Corin, supplier of Japanese chef knives and restaurant supplies. Corin is proud of their Japanese culture and traditions, but they want you to know that their products are not just for Japanese restaurants. Their knives and tableware bring out the best qualities of food from every culture and fit into every restaurant, from French to Pan Asian to American. And that is why they're located in New York City, where people from every country in the world come to eat. Corin's unique store in Lower Manhattan is home to perhaps the most extensive collection of Japanese chef knives in the world, including Japan, plus the rarest natural sharpening stones and exquisitely designed tableware. They also host special events such as knife sharpening demonstrations and parties with New York's most famous chefs and restaurateurs. Corin is dedicated to this ideal, bringing the implicit and elegance of Japanese culture to your table, be it in your home or in the finest restaurant. For more information, visit corin.com. Welcome back. You're listening to Japan Needs, broadcasting live from a studio in Bushwick, Brooklyn. I'm your host, Akiko Katayama, and my guest today is Masahiro Urushiro, who is a mixologist and the bar manager at the Saxon Perot, which is a great new American restaurant in East Village. So,、um, you were crowned the Global Chivas Master in 2014, which is an annual award given by Chivas Regal, a highly recognized Scotch whiskey company. So, what was the theme of the competition? 
So theme of the competition. So Shiva's masters is, um, of course, it's uh, uh, Shiva's regal. And um, the first uh, cocktail competition uh, in that company, within mm. that company. Uh, Max Warner, he's the one uh, who is now uh, international brand ambassador for Shiva's. And he created this mm. uh, cocktail competition to, you know, to share great things about this, you know, the bartending cultures and mm. people so the the theme of the competition was say uh, when was the last time you created classics the, especially the Shiva's Rigo has you know like a long history and actually Shiva's 25 was very uh, first uh, luxury whiskey in the world and mm. launched in actually New York City. So he made a global final in New York. Mm. Uh, that was a set. And then the we were asked to make four different drinks, but uh, again, engaging to uh, the uh, classic and the history of that, mm. um, he and then they asked us to make four drinks, but four drinks inspired by four different eras of uh, great cocktail oh, wow. time. So That's from, challenging. <laughs> yeah, the first one was that the, so you have to create the classic era, which is that the, uh, up to uh, 19, late 1800s to early 1920s before the provision. And then another one was uh, sort of uh, after the World War II mm. era. So everyone came back to from different parts and um, and then you know brought so many different culture back to the US. Mm. And then another one was the disco era, mm. and, which is so much fun. And then uh, the last one was a modern age, which is pretty much what we do today. So mm. each drink, they're kind of different bartenders, you know, for, from all around the world. But mm. like they, how many countries there? Uh, Thirteen. Wow. So each each one's kind of interpretation of um, the history and the plus uh, the cocktail, something means to you. And then mm. it was it was amazing. Wow. So what kind of cocktail or cocktails did you make? Um, I make I throughout the competition. Uh, I made many drinks, mm-hmm. so there there were seven different challenges, I guess, oh <laughs> to go through. Um, you know, to be fair to everyone, that each challenge uh, only revealed right before the challenge, so mm. no one could really you know prepare. You know, oh, I'm going to make this for mm. this you know particular challenges. Uh, you know, but you have so many ideas. But um, I made some good drinks and. Lots of mess, but <laughs> <laughs> but you survived at the end, right? So, um, was there anything um, your Japanese mindset in the cocktail? Uh, like, I'm not sure if that was my Japanese mindset, but again, the sensitivity to the season that we had. It was in the springtime. Uh, mm. It was a local final, and then you know, early spring it was a global final. So, something you know, the seasonal. So. I picked the chamomile as uh, kind of centerpiece of the drink, and then mm. I added that to classic drink, which is called uh, opal, mm. uh, made out of rye, dry vermouth, uh, and campari. Mm. You know, everyone loves that kind of drink, and then that's a classic drink from um, introduced. You know, you can find that classic recipe in like early 1900s cocktail book. Then, so I took that and then replaced that with the Shiva's Rigo. Mm-hmm. 12 years of beautiful uh, floral whiskey. And then the Campari, which I infused that with dry chamomile tea. Mm-hmm. And the, the, uh, here comes the vermouth. So I kept the authenticity of the drink and in the classic. Mm-hmm. But add, add a little bit of chamomile salt, a little bit of chamomile mist. And 
fresh chamomile for mm. the guy so there's lots of chamomile it so- sounds like too much chamomile but actually it's delicious mm. uh, good drink right I want to try that definitely okay. right um, so you know all those things uh, you just picked the four eras they picked four eras and you know it's a progression right and how do you see like you know I think even at the tail of the cocktails, I think people talk about Japanese bartenders, and they're in, sometimes they're invited. So, how do you think Japanese cocktail culture is influencing the modern cocktail world? Um, <clears throat> I'm not sure if I can answer the question again. I'm sorry that, uh, but something I like about Japanese mm. cocktail culture, or what, what I see today, is that, for example, the tools. You know, like in Japan. Uh, we make beautiful tools, uh, you know, like starting from knives and, of course, but the cocktail tools as well. Mm, I'm curious, what kind of? Is and, this you know, the people, what we, what many bartenders in the world won't love to use is, they enjoy using is um, a Japanese jigger. Okay. So, you know, it's, again, the Japanese jigger, the name suggests that, like, precisions and, you know, that the quality of materials and uh, something you can take pride in that using mm, these uh, so beautiful tools. So easy to tools. handle the kind of... Yeah, yeah. The, I'm, not, I'm not saying that about, like, more expensive ingredients, uh, the more pricier tools is better. No, it's not. But it's about, like, kind of, you know, the quality, that the attention mm. to these kind of small things and... Um, and then I, I think it's 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 great thing. Right. I mean, it's it's a really stupid example, I think. But you know, it's like good nail clippers, like tweezers, it's like right. a real thing. That they really make a big difference. Exactly. And then actually, so like again, like we met, like always kind of use a craft. Mm-hmm. You know that I looked up the in dictionary right here. The craft. Mm. So say craft says. So hold on, craft. That's the keyword in the culinary and then right. So, okay, so now it says an art, trade, or occupation requiring spe- spe- uh, special skills. Mm. And, yeah, it says an art. So the, I think these things that kind of influence, you know, precisions and respect and attitudes and uh, to make good drinks. Mm, right, because it's not just about the result of something in a glass, right? You really have to think about every element, ingredients to how you feel when you're being served. And even like, I think when you serve the cocktail to me, you put the napkin and the way you put the glass, that was very soft and really meant something gentle. Very gentle. Yes. So that's called hospitality to me. So. Hi. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um, So uh, what do you think about the current uh, bar culture? Um, you know, like um, in America, they're always waiting bars in restaurants. But in Japan, it's almost impossible to find one unless you go to very specific Western style places. And um, you work at a great restaurant and bar place. Mm-hmm. So, what do you think about that? I think that explains, um, I, can, I can explain a little bit about that. I think so many places traditionally in Japan has the place serves something, you know, like specialize in something. For mm. example, say, uh, of course, there's a sushi uh, restaurant, like sushi place. Mm. It's specialized in sushi. They're all their heart and then the tension go to the sushi. Mm. And then, you know, no places like, like uh, 
serving pasta, for example, like serving pasta, and then appetizer, risotto, and the main course that you have, like, uh, say, steak and, mm. you know, other things. And, you know, but in Japan, I think many places specialize in something, like, for example, like, this place, go for okonomiyaki. Mm. And then this place, you go to uh, ya- uh, yakitori. Right. And then, uh, and a sushi place. And the cocktail bar, of course, the beautiful cocktail bars there, mm. uh, f- all the focus is in the craft of the cocktail, you know, the, mm. these cocktails and and but I'm not saying that but each place has their own you know drinks and beverage that something complements to the you know cuisine mm. so like you know from sushi place they have a great um, you know the sake shochu Right. Go to the yakitori place they serve uh, amazing highball you know that mm. they could be based with whiskey um, I don't know umeshu mm. um, so something complements their cuisine so right. So, mm, right. So, um, I think, you know, the American cocktail culture is really thriving, really thriving because it's more available. You know, and if you go to a restaurant, I mean, in Japan, who's, who starts drinking cocktails? Because there's no access, right? People think about the wine or sake or beer, but and the restaurants don't come up with creative cocktails because there's no demand. So, it's kind of to me, I wish Japanese restaurants started to serve more cocktails at this little little place that you can sit at and then drink bar, you know, bar drinks because it's more creative. And this really, I respect cocktail culture and, you know, that's all those um, um, close uh, camaraderie, like friendship, you know, I think right. that's something we not yeah. missed. I love, I love um, you know, the... You know, the, again, the drinking and, you know, eating with the good people and then have a great time. So, you know, that I think also cool to have like that kind of culture still today is, which is, you know, go to this specific bar for mm. the drink, you know, mm. and then, then go to eat specific food at this right. place. And mm. then kind of go back to, you know, uh, this bar and to drink whiskey or another, you know, like something they specialize about. So mm. that's 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 kind of super cool. And then hopefully these places like kind of, you know, they are close enough to walk around. Right. So that way you don't have to take cab or drive. And But that kind of creates the neighborhood as well. Mm. You know, the, um, you know. The, Interesting. Yeah. Right. So maybe there should be more bars and maybe something, someone more or less formal as well right. in Japan. Yeah. By the way, where do you go? Which bars uh, do, do you recommend for our listeners when you could? in Japan? Yeah, many, <laughs> um, many. The the for sure the my sensei Antonio San's place uh, still there. He's still there uh, in Daikama called Tablo's Lounge. Uh, and then walking distance from there, uh, my friend Toshi, he's bartender at a place called Diaz, also in Daikama, the tequila mm-hmm. uh, tequila focused. Uh, bar and bar trench in Ebisu, and then of course, great Ginza area, the amazing uh, classic Japanese. Uh, this cocktail bar, the uh, Ueno san's new half five, mm-hmm. uh, star bar, Hoshi san's star bar, Little Smith. That's in Ginza, uh, Ginza, yeah, right. just, just too many. Mm. Uh, maybe you can give uh, give us like 10 and then put it on the show notes. I will, right. <laughs> That'd be fun because right. I keep getting asked a recommendation for restaurants in Japan, and I, I um, yeah, I have to come up with something. So, so bar, uh, bar version. We'll start with your list. Okay. Right. 
Okay. So、um, thank you for joining us today. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. Thank well, you. Keep us posted. Okay. Okay. So, listeners, if you'd like to know more about Masa's cocktails, please go to、uh, saxonandparole.com.、Uh, that is、uh, Saxon and Parole,、uh, P-A-R-O-L-E.com. And if you have any questions or comments about the show or suggestions for guests or topics of the show, please contact us at JapanNeeds at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. And JapanNeeds is live at 3 p.m. on Mondays and always available at HeritageRadioNetwork.org, iTunes, and the Stitcher podcasts. And please go to iTunes and Stitcher and subscribe to JapanNeeds. And today's show was made possible by Corin, and our engineer is David, David Tatasiore. And thank you for listening. I'll see you next week. For listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.